Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Star Wars Universe podcast. Today we're talking about The Mandalorian, Season 2, Episode 7, The Believer. I'm here with Paul Hoppy and Ashley Coffin. All this and more after a commercial break we have no control over. Welcome back. My name is Matthew, as I said. I'm joined today by Paul and by Ashley. Uh, how are you folks doing tonight? Really good. Really pumped about this episode. It was so yeah, much fun. Yeah, like this was one you really liked? Yeah, oh yeah. This is my favorite so far. Nice. I enjoyed it as well. Uh, not quite my favorite, but up there for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. I think this is one of those episodes where I really enjoyed it. And I think like it hit some of the emotional beats that I really wanted all season. And then when I started thinking about the details they used to get to that, mm-hmm. I was like, wait, that, did, that didn't make sense. That didn't make sense. So <laughs> I'm going to have fun talking about it with you all. I, I was actually about to say I, I maybe didn't actually have any complaints, really. But we'll get to okay. yours, and cool. then I'll tell you why you're wrong. No, no. I was like, wow. Just, no, no, no. We're going to save we'll that for the people who think and, Hayden Christensen is a good actor. And, and I always have complaints, just to, just to put that out there. I yes. know. <laughs> so so let's start with the positive stuff. Um, Ashley, what makes this such a good episode for you? Um, I was kind of telling you guys earlier, I'm a little bit, you know, partial to this because I love Bill Burr so much. Uh, he's definitely one of my favorite stand-up comedians, and I've followed his career for years. So, like, this honestly was the best acting I've ever seen him do. And he's been really trying to break into the acting recently, and I was just, like, so proud of him. The intense scenes, like, he really, he hit the mark for me. And he was funny, like, the humor in this one. Like, I love that. There was explosions, too. This really hit, like, all my checkpoints for what I want out of an episode. I will say, I was surprised to learn that he hasn't done much acting. And I, I remember watching this thinking, why was he not used more in uh, the Prison Break episode in season one? Because mm. I was really touched. I thought he, he, I, I thought the, the acting performance he gave was very nuanced and really, like, let me know who this character is, why he's so conflicted about this, and and just made him a like. I, I think I texted to Paul. Well, Disney forgot something. Where's the Star Wars Mayfield TV show that's coming? Oh right. my god, please! <laughs> he certainly could show up somewhere, though. I would be surprised if he doesn't. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. He redeemed himself. People were really mad at him after season one for pushing down uh, Grogu. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> he was like, I didn't do it. It wasn't real on his podcast because he does one the Monday morning podcast every day. He was like, everybody came for me. All your messages. It was a puppet. <laughs> I I didn't watch the recap because I didn't have to this time. Um, I'm somewhat guessing they didn't show that scene in the recap. No. I remember texting you. I was like, oh, sh- oh, Bill Burr's coming back. Did you say anything? You're like, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'd heard a couple of people talk about this as the Bill Burr episode, but yeah, I had no idea who that was. But I, I really loved what Mayfield did. I thought it um, – I, I feel like this episode gave us really a sort of behind the scenes of the Empire in a way that we haven't really gotten before. Yes. Um, uh, first of all – We got a little bit in, in Rebels. Yeah, definitely. It felt a little Rebelsy to me in that way. Yeah, I think that's true. I- but I got to be more, excited yeah. about TIE Fighters. Like, I got to finally be like, go get them! Right? <laughs> Yeah, pew, pew, pew. And, and of course, now, all of a sudden, the TIE Fighters and Stormtroopers all are perfect shots right when they needed to be. <laughs> right, now they can, they can hit stuff. Well, I think the Bill Burr character is uh, referred to as a an ex-Imperial sharpshooter, which I wasn't aware they had. Mm. But... Yeah, that's I mean, not because a, they can't hit anything. Very, I mean, we didn't see <laughs> right, the, you exactly. know, the Republic drop troopers of... Right, yeah, yeah. So I'm willing to believe that that exists. And, yeah. Uh, if you can hit anything, you get to be a sharpshooter. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, maybe just they they keep the TIE Fighters for the remote bases that no one's ever heard of. That's exactly. where the good TIE, tie Fighter pilots are. That's where the good out. TIE Fighter pilots are. Yeah. He definitely got, like, all the best lines. He's like, oh, the shame. What would they say on Mandalore? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he has on this Stormtrooper outfit. Oh, I was dying. I also just, I mean, he's a good actor, but he was also hilariously funny. I mean, all the scenes with uh, Cara Dune and the prison guard. Which, by the way, you want to talk about the New Republic being a bastion of um, goodness and, and justice. There's a great line, I think it's from Nelson Mandela, where he says that you can judge a society by how they treat their prisoners. And mm. the New Republic is not really showing itself as the like bastion of democracy and justice in how they treat their prisoners. <laughs> no, it is not. 
they still have uh, prison labor, right? Mm-hmm. Which uh, we could go into a long conversation about that I don't think is for this podcast, but needless to say, I'm against it. <laughs> right. Prison labor and um, not the best job of conveying information to the prisoner about what's happening to them. That too. That too. Yeah. <laughs> Switch to your new task in three seconds or you will be terminated or yeah. whatever they were going to do. I don't know if they're going <laughs> to terminate him, but there was definitely something bad going to happen to his body. Well, so in terms of uh, being funny and having a lot of great lines, I'd like to give some credit also to uh, the director and writer of the episode, uh, Rick Famuyiwa, who um, has written and directed films like The Wood, Dope, and uh, directed the HBO television movie uh, Confirmation with Mm. Kerry Washington as Anita Hill. Yeah, which I saw. It was very good. Very, very, very different tone of this. Very different. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, you know, there's, I mean, there's something very political about this episode. Yeah. I think. That's right? very true. And there's, I mean, there's a lot of political commentary, some of it overt and some of it maybe not as overt. I mean, I think showing the New Republic treating their prisoners poorly, it reflect. it's not that it reflects well on the Empire, but it's sort of like, hey, you know, the Empire wasn't the only you know, bad, uh, powerful institution that right. there's ever been, right? Yeah, it's like what Mayfield says when they're on the uh, the planet. Um, he's like, the Empire, New Republic, we're all just invaders on their land. Right. Yeah. It oh, that, like that scene was Layers so... and layers, yeah. Yeah, I felt like that scene between him and, Man- between him and uh, Jen was so powerful because, mm-hmm. I mean, <clears throat> he's, he's right in general in terms of any planet, but especially... Um, and we haven't seen much of this in The Mandalorian yet itself, and I think maybe Jin doesn't know this, but for those who've seen um, episodes about Mandalore in The Clone Wars or Rebels or in some of the books, I mean, it's a very warlike society, and yeah. I mean, part of why the Jedi were fighting it so often was that often the Mandalorians were trying to conquer a lot of other places, or at least trying to like, right. assert their dominance. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's there's definitely a real connection there that, that Mayfeld's making. I think, is it is it Jin or is it Din Djarin? It may be Din Because it's, it's spelled D-I-N. So I think it's Din okay. Jaren, which is which is an easy name to then mess up. And yeah. or kind <laughs> well, of I, I find that pronunciation of it less things. jarring. Uh, there you go. Uh, uh, at but, least it's not jar jarring. Um, oh, you're fine. Oh, yeah. um, you keep saying that, but I think you're going to have to start paying me before you can fire me. <laughs> um, when, when I have enough. Okay, so good, that's, a, that's a good ad for the Patreon. Uh, get us okay. enough money that I can pay Paul so that I can fire him. Nice. Um, nice. There we go. That's the that sales sounds point. fun. Um, so let's talk about that as well. Um, I thought as well one of the most powerful scenes was when they were driving through that little town um, mm-hmm. with all the people. Because I think that also really drove home, you know, the, to these folks. Like the Empire doesn't care about them, but probably the Republic doesn't care about them either. Yeah. I mean, if the Republic really cared about them that much, they would probably know the Empire was there. Right. Right. And it's um, a huge galaxy, and they're still just kind of getting of there. Of course. They're, they're, you know, mitts out there, but, like, yeah. there's only so many times you can go to a place and find out the Republic just isn't here yet. Um, this is hard to talk about, but I feel like, um, you know, 10, 15 years ago, I thought that we would never, ever go back towards any kind of fascism in any part of our, you know— civilized world whatever you want to call it um said with incredible quote marks for all the etc etc yeah yeah um but because it's like well of course no why would people want to and i feel like this episode really highlights like they did such a great job of in that moment with the prisoner both with the prison itself but also the fact that like cara dune is hunting for this child and there isn't now a huge new republic army that found out about the child and wants to get involved it's just these you know bunch of weirdos who are going off on it together right Um, scrappy band you know i'm 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 watching this show is making me understand why some people want the trains to run on time and why for them the empire might be their better choice hmm i i don't feel that uh i don't feel like i mean you you mentioned something about uh the the video game right kind of giving you some Mm -hmm. of that feeling as well well, there's a difference. So there's the uh, Star Wars Squadrons is a great video game, and in it, like you play you play two different characters: one an X-wing pilot, one a Tie fighter pilot, mm, one rebellion mm-hmm. pilot. You, you bounce back and forth sure. between ships. 
And in the game, like, when you first get initiated into the Thai um, squadron, you get all these stirring speeches from people, and some of them are about people whose parents died in Republic attacks mm. and things like right. that. And you're just like, oh, yeah, okay, cool, sign me up. I, right. I don't mean that. I, this show hasn't convinced me that I want the Empire to be back by oh. any means. I just mean, yo, know, and thank you for that clarification, or chance to clarify. I just mean I can understand why some people in this in this universe are actively choosing to be part of the Empire instead of the New Republic. Okay, yeah, yeah, I yeah, can that see that. Sense. Yeah, I mean, the episode was titled The Believer, right? Right. And mm-hmm. there's that long-winded speech by The Believer. I mean, I, I assume that's who, who it's referring to uh, about... You know, basically why the Empire is important, why it's there, and, and what the advantage of having it is compared to, you know, the New Republic, which apparently isn't as efficient because they don't have a Sith Lord trying to coordinate everybody's minds together. Or, right? yeah. you know, maybe that's not what the way this guy looks at it, but there's a sense that the, the Empire... Uh, represents order and that the New Republic is is disordered. I would say that the, a lot of the bad things about the New Republic are also the, its uh, order, right? Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Um, I might fall more more on the, the side of like, well, maybe we don't need something that is this huge overarching um, government. I mean, beyond like maybe trying to keep individual places from like creating death stars and stuff like that. <laughs> that that'd be a good like, thing. Let's yeah, you know, not have those. It all seems very like as not knowing as much of the background, it, it am I supposed to it looks like a very Hell Hydra kind of thing. Or like it's Hydra. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of the Empire people are you know, wearing mm-hmm. the Republic stuff. They're like, Yeah, we're the Republic wank. <laughs> yeah, I think it's true. <laughs> Did they say the name of that character who was talking to um uh, Mando and uh, yeah, Mayfield, Wayfield says thing. it. It's like Vin something, I think. Um, that actor, that's Richard Brake. That guy's awesome. He's in so many horror movies. He's a psychopath. They picked the right person to do that because he's so intense. Valen Hess is the character's name, and yeah, I, I think that's a great way to put it. Um, he also played the Night King in Game of Thrones. Oh, really? Um, I was rooting for him. Oh yeah, uh, and and Joe <laughs> Chill in Batman Begins. Nice. Okay. Um, yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. I feel like he... I, Not I, in this. I was rooting for the Night King, just to clarify. No, no. I, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, At yeah, this point, that. me too. I kind of was too, yeah. Um, th- there's also a great uh, meme that's going around about someone being very concerned because, once again, um, Pedro Pascal is being sent to try and protect a short, sassy person, and he's only going to fight with a spear. Um, right. <laughs> so that was kind of brilliant. Um <laughs> But but yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I thought that actor was he did such a good job of like I've seen I've seen the people who say like, Oh, we're helping the people, of course, and they all know it's bullshit, they just want the power. Right. I mm-hmm. fundamentally believe he thinks he's doing the right thing. You know, and he believes that like if those five thousand, ten thousand people had to die, well, they're gonna want they're gonna believe in the right in the end that we did the right thing. Which to me yeah. makes it much more terrifying. For sure, for yeah. sure. He's a believer. He's a true believer in the cause. He thinks they're doing the right thing. And so he's just going to keep doing that mm-hmm. no matter what until he maybe gets shot in the chest. It was and, yeah. so satisfying. <laughs> and then blowed up afterwards. Uh, it was very oh. It was. I was like, I was like, oh, I was like, how long do we have to listen to this? Oh, okay. There it is. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> now, now we're back to the, back to the action. <laughs> He's like old brown eyes. That whole scene was awesome. It was it, very intense. It's funny. We often talk about Pedro Pascal as being this great actor because of what he can do with a helmet on. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you all felt this, but I felt like the body language from him was so fundamentally different because the entire time he had his helmet off, you could just see how incredibly uncomfortable he is with people seeing his face. Yeah. And yes. Like there's that scene where Mayfeld is starting to go like off and you can see that Din is getting concerned. But instead of giving him like the look that we often see, he gives him this kind of like nervous, like, are you sure look? And it was just so different than anything we've ever seen from him. And I just thought like that whole scene, I could tell like exactly what was in Din's head in terms of how conflicted he was about taking this helmet off and fighting all of his, you know, 30 or 40 years of of training and and then 
just being so uncomfortable with people talking to him. Mm-hmm. And I For love sure. that Mayfield was like, I won't tell him I saw your face. Yeah. Like, yeah, he was just like, it didn't even happen. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, which I thought was kind of perfect for Mayfeld, because part of what he's saying is like, hey, I'm going to do this really sweet thing for you. But, but he's also... also saying, hey, right now, at this moment that you're very pissed at me, that my emotions caused us to get in incredible danger, I'm going to remind you of this good thing I'm going to do for you. <laughs> oh, I was thinking even more just like, if you see like, uh, um, if you see the face of somebody taking you hostage, like they're more likely to kill you. So, like, okay, I feel yeah, like he was more saying, like, hey, I didn't see anything. Don't kill me. You know? I thought he said it more compassionately. But I might just be, you know, holding yeah. it up. <laughs> I, I, I tend to go for compassion pretty often. I think there definitely was like, some compassion listen, there. Listen, I won't tell him I saw your face. And he said something else, but I can't remember because I was too stuck on. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> but but what, what did you all – did you all get a similar sense of, of what Din was going through and, and how Pedro acted that? Yeah, yeah. shadow water. He's like, oh mm-hmm. god. He yeah, just yeah. blank. What did he yeah. say happened to him? I thought that was perfect um, way to describe the face he was making. Like he couldn't hear, or yeah, a bomb he, went off by his head. I think it was something like that. Yeah, his ears yeah. were damaged because he mm-hmm. really was just making that. Uh, I don't know what to do. Face. Yeah, almost like he was experiencing a trauma at the time, or like mm-hmm. reliving a trauma. Um. And I mean, I've, I, I don't really know him so much from Game of Thrones. I kind of saw that one scene and hated it, but, uh, I, <laughs> oh <my laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm glad I quit this show. But that almost <laughs> made my husband quit the show too. Yeah. No, I was just like, anyway. That was his favorite um, character. And he was like, I'm done. <laughs> I, I, I did but, almost quit the show because I had for six months quit the books because of that scene. So. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Wow. Yeah. No, anyway. No, no, good job. Okay. Um, I, do uh, really enjoy him in in uh, Narcos, which mm. I've, yeah. mm-hmm. he's in the. Well, maybe I shouldn't say how many episodes he is or isn't in because uh, a lot of characters get killed off on that show, so there, <laughs> there would be less suspense. He's um, in a good number. He's, yeah, in a, he's and... yeah, he's an important part of that show, and um, I, you know, I'm very familiar with his acting abilities from it, and it was great to see him kind of get to sort of flex them a little bit more in. Uh, you know, because I think he's great with the helmet on. Yeah. And that's amazing and super impressive. But it's nice to also give him, you know, a chance here to really uh, develop, you know, get a, a little a little another angle, right? A different angle, a little more depth. And I think the comment you made about trauma is actually very insightful. And I hadn't thought of it this way, but I think it's true. And I, I mean, I, I cannot speak for everyone by any means. I am someone who suffered a good deal of childhood trauma. And I've, and I've so both gone through a lot of therapy about it, but also studied a lot about the therapy about it. And, you know, one thing that comes up often is that, like, there's a the security blanket effect of, like, the mm-hmm. one way to feel safe is to have, like, mm. you know, something, mm-hmm. like, that you hold on to, like, a particular part of your outfit or a particular thing that you do or you know, the safety right. blanket, literally. Yeah. And I think ethos. in some ways that thing of, like, no one's ever seen my face, that that's what keeps him safe. That's what keeps him yeah. protected. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think that's a great insight. Plus, the rel- like, the religion side aspect of it. Mm-hmm. For the Mandalorians, right? He was like the zealot side. Oh, yeah. Which, which, yeah. Paul, you talked about the believer. I, I think there's actually a couple of believers in this episode. And I think Mando is very much one as well. Like, Yeah. And he's uh, at this point, though, he's he's questioning that, right? Because yeah. that's mm-hmm. already been set up with, you know, Bo-Katan being like, um, hey, that's really just a few Mandalorians who do that. The rest <laughs> of us, that's not our thing. Yeah. So, you know, don't think that's like the Mandalorian way. That's the way of this, you know, the children of the watch. Right. I believe. Right. And then also he's seen Boba Fett, right. Who's um, Django Fett's son slash clone. And, (laughs) and he doesn't always have his helmet on and, you know, Django didn't either. Although I I don't know if he knows that, but uh, it's, so I think he was already questioning that and we didn't see a whole lot of that explicitly but it was it was there under the surface, yeah. and now there's a scenario, there's a situation where it's like either hold to this thing that you've already been questioning, or save you know have a better chance at saving your kid. And it's right. like, well, you know, if he hadn't already been questioning it, it's a it's a little different question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, now it's like, okay, well, well, there's these other reasons that maybe I already you know don't need to do this this way yeah 
that'd still make them kind of it's like his first time doing it mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. like, but second, right? They did it once in the first season. I feel oh, like once yeah. a season we're going to see. That was his with face. the robot, yeah. like <laughs> yes. right? Yeah, each exactly. time it's going to be a little more. And I, I mean, I, I will say, like, oh, I hope so. What is it, like five or seven minutes into the episode? They make a reference to like the face scanner and how you know. And he, oh he yeah, says, yeah. No, don't worry. I'll cover my face with that. And at that moment, of course, I knew he was going to. Ha- we were going to see his face. Hundred percent, hundred percent. But it was so well done, and it. I know I've been saying the last couple episodes that I was a little frustrated that. We hadn't had a payoff yet to him having that encounter with Bo, having this encounter with Boba Fett. And I wanted to see him like starting to like deal with the the paradox between his beliefs and theirs. And I thought this was just the perfect way to do it. Because you're right, he never actually talks about it. But but I think you're right. I don't I don't think he does this unless he's already had those experiences this season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a dog. Can you guys hear that? <laughs> I can, yes. <sighs> It's not mine. So I, I, I will say there, though, that is one of the things that did bother me a little bit. Again, it, one of those, like, in the moment, it's so powerful, I get caught up in it. But later I think about mm-hmm. it, I'm like, that that doesn't make sense. Why do you have a face scanner that isn't scanning a face to recognize the face? It's just like, <laughs> oh, yep, that's a face. Okay, I'll we're good. I'll second you. I was like, why are you guys being so shady? Like, <laughs> stop acting so shady. What are you doing? That guy is staring at you because you guys are acting shady. Yeah, it I, also looks like a really ancient ATM. Yes, that's like. also very true. <laughs> yeah, so I, I mean, did you have any more understanding, or was that just kind of a, a plot thing of we need to we need a reason why he has to take his helmet off? Uh, it was just a reason for Boba Fett to be like, oh, they definitely recognize my face. Yes, which um, was also a great joke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, in terms of like logistically, like it's like. Yeah, it's a little it's it's a it's very devicey you know it's, yeah it doesn't feel super organic the other thing that felt kind of weird to me was um the the pirates oh yeah what pirates is that, like yeah. i feel like on the one hand they've set up the idea that the people in this area are not happy with the empire being there mm-hmm. but they call they call them pirates and they make them a different race so they're not fighting the empire they're just stealing stuff and so they're just blowing it all up instead of trying to steal it so does that even make them pirates they're not I, stealing anything this is my question. not very piratical to me so i was going to call this the mad max episode uh-huh um <laughs> actually, actually lee was she said that she's like oh there's like mad max i'm like oh cool i'll make a note i'll call this the mad max episode but really it was more like the mad max sequence right yeah um, the whole you know, road they're, warrior they're, aspect. Yeah. The whole road warrior, and it's like this fuel or something like that, right? That, the that it's precious that they're trying to, yeah, yeah. The hope it doesn't blow up, em, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Very well put. Um, but you know, it was unclear what the relationship between the villagers and the pirates is because, yeah, they they look different, right. and uh, but it's clear that the empire shouldn't be on that planet doing what they're doing. And I think it's clear that neither the villagers nor the pirates want them to be there. Right. But it, I, I, I thought it was just going to be the villagers yeah. being like, yeah, we're sick of the Empire being here. We're blowing your shit up. And <laughs> and then it was like these to- this totally other group that um, I, I think I would have preferred that it was the villagers. But if it was the villagers, it would be like, oh, man, like, are you really going to fight off all these villagers and kill them all so that they don't? Like, we don't know what the goal of these pirates was exactly. Clearly, it was some kind of sabotage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what what their goal was in terms of blowing all these up is unclear. Maybe they're, in, they're other um, villagers from somewhere else, right? Yeah. Maybe they live up mm-hmm. in, the, in, the, in the woods or whatever. <laughs> and, and then, you know, and their, their homeland has been taken over by the, the Empire. And this is the remnants of the Empire. Maybe they've been fighting them for decades. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, because this feels like this very kind of scraggly band of Imperials, right? Yeah, right? I mean, they've got a couple TIE fighters and they've, you know, they've got, I don't know, it feels like a hundred, couple hundred people maybe. Yeah, right? it's a small but, yeah. Base. yeah, but like they don't seem that well outfitted. You know, their their uniforms are, are kind of dingy. They're not all polished up like the Empire used to be and not like they are on, on Moff Gideon's ship, right? So... Yeah. I I think it's unclear, like, do these former Imperials 
have are how connected are they to Gideon's former Imperials? I think it's fairly unclear, mm-hmm. and it, like they're not necessarily doing the same thing together, right? We've seen maybe three separate groups of former Imperials so far, and uh, you know it it feels like they're still there. They're still trying to get this Rhydonium or whatever, but or they're, they're and try to refine it, and then. They're using that for some other empire stuff, but we're unclear exactly for whom. Like, is it for for Gideon? Is it for Thrawn? Is it for some totally other post-imperial warlord kind of thing, right? We don't know really what kind of structure is remaining. Right. And, but, you know, meanwhile, it seems very reasonable that the, the locals of the planet would be like, enough of this, we're blowing your stuff up if you keep trying to take it from us. But, like, yeah, that's not really what piracy is. Piracy is, like, stealing it, right? Yeah. Like, that's the goal behind piracy is generally profit. So, yeah. I feel like you really got to the heart of it with what you said about if it is the villagers, which seems to be the only explanation that actually makes sense, then Din and especially Mayfeld, like, fighting against them feels really, really bad. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm just guessing in the dark here, but I I think that there's some level to which... They wanted to have a really fun action set piece. And I think it was a very yeah. well done yeah. action scene. I thought, yeah, me that's too. what I was. I was yeah. like, they were there. So I got to see them get put to bed. Right. That is why they were there. Because he owned all of them. And I loved every minute. He was like, good night. Good night. Boop. Bye. Yeah. Uh. And so I think that's I think they, they had an action sequence. And then like maybe originally it was going to be against the villagers. And then realized, wait, no, oh, wait, no, that looks real bad. OK, let's make it against someone else. You know? Yeah. Uh, because it felt like a flimsy excuse to have a fight, but it was a great fight to watch. Mm-hmm. It, it was a great fight. And I do, I did feel conflicted. Like, until then, they weren't human looking. And then I was like, huh, so that's not the people that we saw. Or, right. I mean, they can be connected. We don't know, right? Maybe, they Maybe hired just the them. people that they saw in that. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's still, it still felt like not quite right. But at, at the same time, I, I think I think the idea was definitely to kind of show us what it felt like to be part of the Empire and to have, you know, what from the Empire's view are these terrorist attacks on them. Right. Right. That's really good. And to, yeah. to, to not be uh, to not be like on the side of the Ewoks. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think they made them not human looking probably so that we didn't feel too strongly in that way. So we weren't like, oh, man, like how many... How many people are you killing who are being oppressed by Imperials in order to get this one kid back? You know, right. they, were, yeah. they were definitely kind of scary looking, like non They were humanoid, but definitely in a kind of like they, they don't ex- inspire feelings of empathy. Right. right. Exactly. Which which then I think that's its own thing. It's like, OK, well, then that's just kind of like speciesist. Right. Yeah. And and that's that's something that I think the viewer has to deal with. But I think a, view, a lot of viewers probably won't dig too deeply into. Mm-hmm. Um, but it definitely feels like they kind of wanted to have it one way, but then also not have it completely that way. Yeah. So, all right, fine. Fine. I have complaints. <laughs> yeah. Damn. That's... And I'll you just say what? one other thing about that, and then we can talk it's about how good many. the action scene was. Mm-hmm. How long does it take between activating a thermal detonator and the thermal detonator exploding? Because by my count, it went from three seconds to eight seconds to 12 seconds, depending on... I'm I'm making up these numbers, but depending on what the plot needed, the time of explosion was very variable. Uh, Yeah, that's exactly whatever the plot demands. (laughs) Clearly. Two things that I thought were really cool about the fight scene. One, there was a couple times where Din fought in a way where he was like, whatever, I'm bulletproof. Mm. And then like his armor got damaged. And he was like, oh. It was like, oh. But the other is, anybody... you, you caught this, we clearly saw him effectively using a spear to kill someone. Yeah, and I was like, oh, okay, yep, you're, now you've shown us the spear, now you're showing us that he can use a spear. It's like we're setting something up here. It's a little foreshadowing. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think in all of Star Wars I've ever seen a blaster run out of blasts. No, I don't think it's ever happened before. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that was a thing. I just, um, I just know. But then he I threw the gun at him, right? Yeah. Which is the pro move. Yeah. That's the... yeah. <laughs> I thought maybe okay. the idea was kind of what Paul was saying before about how this is kind of like a dingy, rundown part of the yeah. part of the empire, and so maybe they have like bad technology that's not working very well. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, certainly we've never seen someone be like, conserve your ammo in any way. Right. I think it was more it malfunctioned than that it, like, the clip was empty. Oh, like, okay. It, it felt I was like going to say, I was like, no. In yeah. what world does a blaster not have blasts? I mean, they should. They, there should be some power source, right? Which uh, I would imagine gets run through eventually. And, right. Um, you know, it seems like they don't take great care of these drivers of these yeah. things. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, they're like, oh, we lost one. Oh, there goes another one. And like, wait, 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 what? What's going on? So I, I kind of felt like they maybe... You know, they don't give them the top shelf blasters. They're like, eh, you'll be inside the truck. What do you need a better blaster for? Yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, we don't... Why does no one put locks on their vehicles anywhere in this universe? Like, <laughs> we've numerous times seen people climb into the top of an ATST. We here yeah. see that you can just, like, climb into the top of one of these vehicles. Earlier, you could just walk right into the Razor Crest and take your armor back. Like... Yep, yep. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. Just, uh, you know, locksmithing just isn't something that's really been uh, thought through in this galaxy. You know, it's because mostly you have door, you have dangerous doors, right? So people are less likely to break in. (laughs) Yeah. They don't have clickers yet. There you go. Yeah. There's no clapper Um, anywhere in this universe. Speaking of the fighting, uh, I don't know what that bomb was that uh, Boba Fett dropped, but that shit was cool. Yeah. That was like one of my favorite parts. I'm such a sucker for that stuff. <laughs> yeah, Matthew, I think you had some something illuminating on this, right? Yeah, so it's funny. The Good number word. of people who have posted saying, that's awesome. Why have we never seen that in the Star Wars universe before? We have seen it in the Star Wars universe before, um, used from that exact same ship. Jango Fett uses that same kind. It's called a seismic charge. Wow, I sound like a geek right now, but I'm a stranded panda. I'm embracing it. Do it. Um, but <laughs> they it. use that charge in Attack of the Clones, which... Because it's one of the all-time worst Star Wars movies, I think most people have <laughs> right. utterly forgotten. Walked it. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. just watched that. I think I, I feel like I remember they did that on that water planet. No, it's when um, when uh, Obi Wan is chasing Boba Fe- uh, Jango Fett after le- after leaving the water planet. Um, okay. Now towards um, Geonosis, and they're in that in like the, asteroid field. The asteroid field. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And he keeps using them to blow up, and yeah, it, it has that awesome sound effect, and it's so cool. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was very cool. I mean, the minute Slave One started to have like people chasing it, I was like, "Okay, I know what they're oh. about to do here." Um, mm-hmm. And it was totally worth. You're totally right. I abs- I remember that now. I gotta go tell Ken. Right, but like, <laughs> I've heard from six different people who I think it was pretty diehard Star Wars fans who had no memory of it because why would you remember anything from that movie? I I only saw that movie the one time that I felt required my uh, <laughs> viewing, and I I have blocked most of it. Outside of the unforgettable line about sand. <laughs> yes, that's but, I don't like uh, sand. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, but I'm so in love with you. That one was bad, too. <laughs> yeah. That was bad, <laughs> Poor too. Poor Natalie yeah. Portman. I actually don't like sand, you know? I mean, I mean... I mean, it's not the best. Like, it's a legitimate complaint. It's just not the most romantic thing <laughs> to say to someone. I mean, Which, it you got know, I mean, Queen Amidala... I, I'm going to announce this so. here, by the way. There's, there's been some discussion back and forth about how people feel about Hayden Christensen returning to um, a new Star Wars property to play Anakin again. We won't well, get to into play Vader. <clears throat> to play, play Vader. Vader. Um, He's going to have the mask on. We'll, no, we don't know yet. We're not going to speculate. That's all going to be tomorrow. Uh, Ashley, you and I and Brian Klein oh, will sorry. talk about that tomorrow. In, but, enjoy. But I will, I will say now that at some point I'm going to put on the Stranded Panda chat, which if you're not in it, it's a great place to join. It's a Facebook group. We get into all these great discussions, but I'm going to put a challenge up of uh, asking people to record themselves saying that line of, can you give a better delivery than Hayden Christensen of the worst line of dialogue that I've heard in 30 years? Um, so keep <gasps> yes. your eyes open for that challenge. Um, that's, that's a low bar. Because <laughs> I think it's a very bad line. I also think it's abysmally de- delivered by a terrible actor. But anyway, that's putting my soapbox aside. Um <laughs> What else? What other kind of parts of this episode did folks want to chat about? Um, I like the the one part with um, Mayfield and Mando kind of looping back to what we were talking about him about taking the mask off. How he uh, what was the point he made? He said something along the lines of uh, like, "What does it mean to take? Do you have to keep the mask on to hide your face, or do you have to keep the mask?" What did he say, guys? Help me. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, oh yeah. Is it that you have? Is it that you can't take the mask off, 
or that you can't show anyone your face. Yeah. Because there's a difference. Oh, yeah. right. Because that's a justification for, t- for putting on a different helmet instead. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I should have said that back when we were talking about the other stuff, but it just popped into my head now. (laughs) And my sense is that, I mean, and this is something that happens a lot. Like when you have these very, very strict religious rules and then all of a sudden, like, you know, corner cases come up, things we're not quite sure how they apply. Um, Yeah. You know, I think that was part of the thing is like he thought that probably like putting on the imperial armor instead was not great, but was maybe not quite so bad as someone seeing his face. Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of like Mm -hmm. one step at a time. Yeah, exactly. Like, it was basically, okay, half a step over the line. I thought it was just no one can see your face. Like, you can't show your face to anyone. So, having some other thing on seemed totally reasonable to me and within the creed. But um, then being like, okay, I'm going to take it off and uh, let the Empire have my face in their databank or whatever. However those scanners work. I mean... I figure that will be a plot point. <laughs> Although, obviously, Gideon already knows who he is, right? He, he used right. his name. Mm-hmm. But... I mean, one thing that I, I know happens in real religions or, or in any kind of place where, like, there's a, a creed of some kind is you set the original rule. And in the circumstances of the time, the only way to follow the rule is to do it this one particular way. And so just what gets handed down over generations is you have to do it that one particular way. So I could very much understand if, like, the original rule was no one gets to see your face, and maybe that's the official creed, but it's always taught as never take off your helmet. Um, right. I think that's yeah. totally a thing that could happen. The other, the only last thing I wanted to comment on was um, that one last scene at the end um, where Mando doesn't quite say, I have a very particular set of skills, but he says everything up into except that. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was a great speech, but did it not feel to you like it was 100% like a Taken reference? Yeah, and I'm so here for it. It was great. Like, it's finally about time to get in Gideon's face. Mm-hmm. He thinks I thought he's so that bad. Was... Yeah, I mean, for sure. Um, I thought that was a callback to season one when Gideon said that to, he said, like, almost word for word, said oh, it to Din. You're right. You Kyle. have something I want. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think it was almost line for line. Um, and I think that was in the pre- the pre-roll, okay. <laughs> which you you managed not to watch because it wasn't yeah. a, uh, and it would have been like the only time that watching it might have had value. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, uh, yeah, I, I really, I enjoyed, uh, you know, Fennec and Kara as like sharpshooters yeah. also. I, I really was... enjoyed the character of Kara Dune this time. Mm-hmm. Like in this episode. Yeah, me too. Yeah, the character was great. <laughs> yeah, and I like, and... like separating myself (laughs) one of the things that can happen when you have a big like ensemble is that everyone no one really gets a chance to like do their thing because you're trying to give service to everyone Mm -hmm. and as much as i missed having them all along i did think making it mostly just uh mayfield and and mando really worked you know giving them a couple lines as sharpshooters oh yeah Django say uh, boba fett say a couple cool things but mostly having it be those two i I thought that worked and and use that that cool um thingy thingamabob yeah the there that's thing. the technical term yes the seismic charge um yeah i mean like everybody got to do something cool basically right mm-hmm. but it was mostly you know the um the din and mayfield mayfeld show right mm-hmm. uh for you know it was it was their their op they were going in and you know the support team all had their roles which they executed really well and uh, I kind of thought that he was going to stick around for the final thing. I, I felt like, oh, somebody's definitely going to get killed off in episode eight and it'll probably be him. That's and I'm what like, I thought, oh, too. I, I guess like, it won't be dead. him. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah. But I really missed the child. I was going to say, Grogu. I think this is the yes, first episode the first... he's ever had where Grogu uh, never appears. It was the you first only... episode with literally zero of him, unless there was in the pre you know the pre-credit sequence yeah it doesn't it's just not right there's not enough episodes for us to not have <laughs> right. for a couple seconds well except we need a, a, a whole just grogu episode to make up for it but i think I it's funny wanna... i mean actually on the one hand you're saying that you also said it was your favorite episode i know i know but so, that's uh, true. I, I do feel like that's maybe this that's my that's second complaint i don't like children <laughs> no <laughs> i don't want them to get rid of grogu entirely but it does feel like this season they're maybe stepping a bit back from like 
realizing just how much hype the child got and wanting to kind of turn that down a bit and like because it feels like we're being kind of slowly weaned off Grogu you know like we're not having his cuteness carried a lot of episodes early on but more recently has been not anywhere near as involved yet last uh, last two episodes he was but um his his new like I just I could watch Mando call his name for like 20 minutes straight and he's like Grogu <laughs> That's a one-hour loop. Tw- I could, yeah. Just, the little man. Now that he's getting like a little bit, not smarter, but starting to communicate more. What they're Yo, choosing horrible. to do with him, adorable. Uh-huh. I just can't. I can't even handle it. But squish his little face. He definitely hasn't done much in this season. Yeah. Right in the first season, you know, he saved Din. Then, mm-hmm. um, then he saved him again, and. He did a lot of healing. He did a little force choking. Like, what's he done that has had consequence this season? The, I guess, just that stuff at the stone. I mean, he came right. close to wiping but out a frog's family it. line, but like, <laughs> sure, there's that. There's that. I, I, I mean, the stuff with the stone. We, I, I assume it has to have some payoff, even if the payoff is, wow, so sad, no one answered. But so far, we've had absolutely nothing of that. Mm-hmm. Right, he did smash I, I imagine the stormtroopers. But... I really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but again, but to like weak. no real consequence, right? That was just kind of like, let's see him have his powers, but then he gets all sleepy and yeah, they better know. watch out though. Yeah, he's, yes. when compared, like in season he's one, to figure he, it out. He had saved Mando's life numerous times by now in season one mm-hmm. in a way that he's not doing yeah. all in season two. <clears throat> yeah, this this one he almost blew up his ship by not putting the red wire where the blue wire was or whatever <laughs> yeah. it was and like you said paul this ice spiders where was he right exactly exactly oh speaking of so do you know who did the voices for the the frog people no no it was it was uh d bradley baker who voices all the clones in the clone wars show oh that's awesome as well as appa and um uh momo in last airbender i mean he's he's been in like 600 something things right (laughs) he's he's got just an epic number of voice acting credits and acting credits but i I mean i wonder uh, how how many different named characters does he play in the clone wars it has to be like at least two dozen if not probably oh i think probably closer to 50 i i would say it would probably close to 100 but yeah Yeah. yeah, i mean maybe 50 is more but yeah dozens certainly dozens for sure for sure. And, and I mean, the Bad Batch, are they going to have anybody else? Okay, that's for tomorrow. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> he's going to have a lot of lines. We'll just say that. Matthew, you got retweeted today, didn't you? Yes. Uh, I uh, Both Paul Paul was the one who introduced me to Paul Sung Young Lee. I hope I'm pronouncing mm-hmm. that right. Um, and also got me watching Kim's Convenience, which I'm fighting hard against the idea of covering it on superhero ethics because it's so far away, <laughs> but it's such a good show. Like, okay. <laughs> well, 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 when Shang-Chi comes out, <laughs> then we can like do an episode that like talks about it, even if it's mostly about Shang-Chi. Possibly. Po- but but yeah, so th- that actor, he, Liu he was the X-Wing is... fan. And um, the great, and I think we put up a, 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 a video of this a couple episodes ago. But he's also a fanatical, fanatical, in, a, in the best possible way, fanboy for Star Wars. Um, I mean, when, when he got offered this part as the X-Wing pilot, he, I, my understanding is he basically said, like, I have my own uniform. Like, because he cosplays it so well. Um, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he's got like seven, seven Star Wars costumes. Yeah. And so we've been blowing him. We've been uh, tweeting a lot of stuff at him. And I, I today tweeted something about how a lot of people want him to be in one of these new shows that's coming out. And I tweeted something along the same lines. And he retweeted that with a with a comment, uh, which I thought was really really nice. So I'm yeah. Um, you know, maybe one day he'll be a guest on the show. I think that's a a, a high bar to clear, but we're we're gonna you know keep working towards it. So that would be awesome. If you are listening to this and you're a big fan of his as well, you know, send him send some of our love his way. Tweet him. Yeah. Um. Anyone else? Any other last comments as we wrap up? Well, this is just on what your last point was, which is that if they make those shows and he's not in any of them, I don't know why I would watch them. But I mean, the Ahsoka one I'm going to watch. Just you know, come on. I do wonder if somewhere I do wonder if somewhere at Disney they're like, oh hey, this actor is popular in this like off the wall Canadian show that no one's ever seen. Let's stick him in five minutes of a Star Wars episode and it'll be fine. And now they're like, oh, my God, what monster have we created? We have to give him his own show no, now. What's happening? No. First of all, it's on Netflix, and a lot of people have seen it now. I know it was, like, a not that – I mean, not as internationally known, but still somewhat. Yeah, that's right. Um, 
but so you know it's on netflix in the u.s so you've got hundreds of millions of people who could watch it and not to mention worldwide and um and dave filoni said he's a fan of the show so i think maybe the execs at disney didn't know what they were getting into but dave filoni (laughs) certainly did yeah (laughs) although maybe if he could stop asking people from alderaan if they knew anybody who was on the planet when it blew up yeah (laughs) although you know what i'd said that i thought that was a horrible line but then ashley when you were like i thought he was kind of like negging her Mm -hmm. i i think you're maybe right and like (laughs) i I don't know in in which case it's like ooh, that's cold you know but also what you gotta do we need people to fall in line and i mean i mean who's she working for now yeah you know see i thought it was like i mean i I experienced this um in various places especially when i was a, a pastor and doing a lot of funerals and stuff like that people often have no idea what to say in response to tragedy and so they say yep. the stupidest, most awkward nonsense. Um, yeah. So I could also see him being like, oh, like I could also see that pilot saying that. And then five seconds later being like, why did you say that stupid thing? Why did you say that? Right, thing? right, right. Yeah. That, that would be an awesome, like, like the existential stormtroopers thing mm-hmm. where there's just like the whole, you know, just like seeing like the character, the, the um, I think Carson Tiva, right, is the name um, of the, of, um, the character i think that's right i think captain yeah, yeah. um so it, it like a scene like him like talking to like the other x-wing pilot who was dave filoni um <laughs> in the in the other episode being like oh man and then i said like did you lose anyone like can you bl-? like i was like and as soon as the words came out of my mouth i was like oh my god she's from alderaan <laughs> yeah. of course she lost someone she lost everyone she knew like <laughs> yeah, even like i mean i love it if he's a star in the show but if you have to give him just a cameo, maybe it's just, yeah, our heroes walk into a pilot's bar and just overhear that conversation right. in the background. So. <laughs> Perfect callback. All right. Um, but she is working for the New Republic now. So, right. you know. Yeah. So it, it did work. So it worked maybe out. it was a negging like that, you know? He maybe it was. It, he held his stare a little long after it. That's like some, that's what I do when I'm silently judging someone. I'm like, did you do that thing? Okay. Didn't you? Okay. Long stare. <laughs> In Star Wars, Appa is from Philadelphia. I got it. Okay, that's a possibility. That's a strong possibility. I saw the side eye. <laughs> I mean, Toronto, Philadelphia. You know. All right. Well, I keep throwing in one last thing, but either of you have any last ones before we wrap up? I think I'm good. That This was just a lot of fun. That yeah. Was a great I'm episode. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, I think it... I think it did exactly what it was supposed to do in terms of setting up the last episode of the season. I thought it was pretty clear, like, what to expect from it early mm-hmm. on, which I kind of found nice. It was like, okay, this is the episode where they go find out where they're going to go in the last episode. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And then it was a fun journey of that. And it, it felt very modular. Yeah, uh, I think that's true. And in a way that, that was satisfying to me. Right. And in a way that didn't feel side questy the way it's been. It did much more like... Step A of the quest, step B of the quest, step, step C of the quest, in a way that I really Exactly. Like. This is the penultimate que- the penultimate step of this season's quest, yeah. basically. Exactly. Well, this season's new quest, since things went horribly awry. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's yeah. fair. I'll say, actually, yeah. one more, one last thing I wanted to say, because I'm terrible and it's my show, so <laughs> haha. Um, but, Paul, you and I last time talked about, with uh, Riki about how that the Robert Rodriguez directed episode felt like there were some parts of Desperado that we definitely felt coming through. Um, yeah. And Desperado, for anyone who hasn't seen it, is a wonderful movie in all sorts of levels. Raises some interesting questions as well. We talked about this in a superhero ethics mm-hmm. episode a long time ago. But one of the standout parts of it is that people die in what I think can best be described as hilariously gruesome ways. Like, yes. they keep finding ways to make them meet their deaths in ways that if you were thinking about it, you'd be like, oh, that's terrible. In the moment, you laugh, and then you're like, oh, what's wrong with me that I'm laughing? Yeah, yeah. And I, I got that exact same feeling fighting the pirates, <laughs> especially when, like, mm. the one of them who, like, crashed against the front of the, 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 the truck, then fell on the ground, then, like, we clearly heard the wheels thudding over his body. <laughs> And then another one who, like, got, like, thrown amongst the wheels and stuff like that. It, it, part of it's kind of what we were talking about before, about, like, further, like, de-emphasize, making us not empathize with the, um, the pirates. But I definitely was like, yeah. oh, you really want to show us that they are dead in bad, bad ways, don't you? Right, right. PG-13 dead. Yeah. 
Yeah, and many of them exploded, and yeah. you know, because Robert it, Rodriguez it, really held himself back. I'm, I'm like, think like oh, Dustal Dawn versus, you know, <laughs> for sure, for yeah. sure. Yeah, these are these are these are PG thirteen ways of doing, yeah. uh, you know, more desperado or or uh, Dustal Dawn type it. stuff. And, yeah, I think it's so true. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, there definitely was a. Um, I mean, if you really pause to think about it, you're like. Are these pirates wrong? Yeah. Like, should I be cheering their deaths? Yeah. Like, I definitely felt kind of like, why, why, why did I? He could have just fallen off the truck, you know? I didn't need to, like, right, right. read the subtitles of thud, 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 or thudding, or whatever it was, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The closed captions, too, I, th- I think actually added a lot when they were in the Imperial base. Like, they would say things like the stormtroopers, stormtrooper would be like, oh, can you believe that they, you know, they survived, that they got through that, yeah. blah, 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 oh, nice shot, you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, but then also the the narration of the sounds of yeah. you know crunching bones and whatnot is <laughs> it was a lot yeah it was a lot all right so fans um we've had our say what do you think um like this episode dislike it um let us know we'd love to hear from you we've had a couple of feedbacks that are other kind of general on the show and that we're going to do kind of a thing at the end but if you've any like what are you thinking is going into this episode make some predictions i will if you write them in it'll be date stamps i'll make sure to announce you know you got this right um won't make too much fun if you get it wrong because we get it wrong all the time um, you can find us um, by going to strandedpanda.com. Click on the superhero. The sorry, click on the Star Wars Universe podcast uh, picture, and it'll give you all the social media links of how to find us. Um, also on strandedpanda.com, you will find a lot of other great podcasts. Um, Paul and I have done a lot on superhero ethics. Um, Ashley can be found on almost all of PandaVision at this point. Um, <laughs> and actually, you and I are getting ready to do uh, a series on The Stand, the coming show for yes. CBS. I can't wait. We, um, uh, Viewers, we suffered so that you could have a better experience. We watched the <laughs> 1994 full miniseries of The Stand. And if you ever needed to be reminded that 1994 television was real bad, uh, The Stand is a great way to see it. So a lot of great content. I know um, uh, our friends over the MCU cast... Um, they're going to be recording because um, it turns out that among all this amazing news about Ahsoka and the Republic and Rogue Squadron, the MCU, MCU might have dropped one or two interesting pieces of news. Um, so they're going to do a whole episode about that. Coming soon will be a whole episode of us talking about all the new Star Wars content that we're excited about, how it's all tying together. You know, we know right now, folks, you, you want stuff to listen to. There's so much on Stranded Panda to check out. So mm-hmm. I'm half myself, Ashley, Paul. Thank you two so much. Thank you to all the fans. Have a great day. All right, guys. Let's go fill out some TPS reports. And remember, Jeff will be watching your office work. Mm-hmm.